at this time, uh, the communication cards, I said that I would, we, we would collect those. And so if you could just pass those to the center aisles or the ends of the aisles, and we will just, uh, we've got our ushers who will come along and, and grab those from you. Uh, that would be helpful for us. And uh, so just, just pass them all along, along there. I know this is a new activity for all of us. Um, but if you could accommodate that, that would be great. As they're doing that, um, why don't I, uh, as I will share a little bit of some thoughts here that, uh, first of all, I want to introduce Tina as well. Tina's in the back. Um, she looked at me just now. That's, oh, no, he's pointing me out. Um, so, but I want to say, Tina, thank you for your, uh, your role in our church as well. Tina is our, our administrator at, in the office, and we just are grateful for, um, for the role that she has in the church and her servanthood, and uh, it's just her genuine kindness that she shows to people. So thanks, Tina, for, for your uh, role in our church. Well, one of my favorite restaurants that I love going to is a restaurant called Original Joe's. And uh, I, I don't get to go there very frequently, but when I do go there um, I, and I tell my wife, let's go to Original Joe's, she already knows what I'm going to order. She, I, I am very predictable when it comes to this particular restaurant. I, I don't try any other menu items. I, spix, I, I pick specific, specifically this one item. And, uh, and, and I don't deviate from it. I know exactly what I'm going to get. And even though my friends have said, you got to try this, you got to try that. No, I'm not interested in any of those other food items. I would be very okay if this one item was the only item on the menu and, and I would go there as often as I could. What I get is the Kona burger. The Kona burger is a big, juicy hamburger patty. It's dripping with gooey cheese. It's covered in delicious bacon, and it's topped with a big slice of pineapple on top. And then, as a, and then at Original Joe's, you can get two sides as well. So I, I don't get just french fries, I get poutine. And I'm not proud of it, but we all have our thorn in the flesh. Mine is poutine. It's basically the meal of made up of nightmares of vegetarians, I think. Um, but I, I do... But I do with the, second, or with the side, second side order, I do try to balance it out mostly out of guilt for the poutine as I get a side salad. I mean, I'm not a monster, but, uh, but I, I do get the side salad. Now, if someone were to suggest that I should try something else, I would just scoff at them and tell them, you can't mess with this perfection. It is beautiful. And actually, that's not entirely true. The only way that you could make it better is maybe more cheese or more bacon or more beef or more poutine. Um, why? Because I, I know what I like. I, I, I know what to expect. This is an this is outstanding meal for me. I know what's, what's familiar to me. And it seems absurd to me to, to consider moving outside of that, what, something that I already know is good, and to consider that there might be something better out there. And I think this sort of attitude that I have towards the Kona Burger is very similar attitude to the attitude that Jesus is actually trying to address in these two parables. You see, prior to these two mini parables that Jesus is sharing here in Luke 5, Jesus had just called Matthew the tax collector to follow him which in the eyes of, these, of the Pharisees who, he was, who he, he was sharing these parables with was incredibly scandalous. 
They're looking at Jesus. These Pharisees are looking at Jesus and saying, how could this supposed man of God associate himself with that sort of questionable character? Jesus, Jesus spent time with people who the Pharisees had made every effort to avoid. And what we see with Jesus time and time again throughout the Gospels is that he's not interested in following the rituals and rules of religion, but instead Jesus is more concerned about relationships. Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost, not just the ones who look good, who act good, who think good, and are the most religiously excellent. Jesus came for the least and the lost and broken people of this world. But the Pharisees were so concerned about maintaining the status quo that they missed out on what God was actually trying to say to them and do through them. The Pharisees were so concerned with the things that they wanted that maybe God was wanting to do something new instead. And through these parables, Jesus is trying to reveal to the Pharisees that what they were experiencing was only a shadow of what the kingdom of God is really like and what the glory of God is like revealed through Jesus. And through these two parables, Jesus is revealing that the kingdom that he is talking about is radically different from the one the Pharisees were now living out. I remember as a kid... We didn't have a lot of money growing up, and, and so whenever I tore a hole knees in my pants, mom would, would try to sew a patch on them. I used the keyword as there is try. She wasn't much of a tailor. But I, I would have the patches, and it was pretty obvious that there was a new patch, and, and eventually I would wear through them, and, and I would get to the point where the jeans were unwearable. Even though maybe the patch was still there, the rest of the pants were falling apart. And at, and at some point, no amount of patches would satisfy the purpose of these pants, And like my pair of jeans, Judaism and Christianity, they can't be patched on top of each other. Now, just to be clear here, let me explain this. We don't ignore the teachings of the Old Testament. But instead, what we understand from the Old Testament is that that those books, those 39 books, they point us towards Jesus. This is where we find Jesus in this passage in verse 36. When Jesus isn't just talking about putting a new patch on top of Judaism, he's talking about a whole new garment altogether. The new covenant that Jesus was teaching isn't a patch to the old covenant. Instead, the new covenant accomplishes the work that the Old Testament was unable to fully accomplish. The Jewish religious system was expressed primarily through the sacrificial system where atonement for sins was temporary and specific. But when Jesus died on the cross, he became the once for all. So these two perspectives are unable to reconcile themselves together because if the sacrificial systems that the the Pharisees affirmed and embraced, if they, if they affirm those, it ultimately rejects the work that Jesus does over here, that, it, that the death and resurrection that Jesus performed is, is, is not valid, it's not recognized because they're saying the, the, the sacrifices still need to happen. But if the work of Jesus is affirmed and embraced, then the purpose and intent behind the sacrificial systems, that was no longer necessary either. 
Because there would be no reason any longer to sacrifice animals to atone for our sins because Jesus had done that once for all people. So it has to be one or it has to be the other. So Jesus is saying that the new covenant isn't about putting a symbolic, ideological, or religious patch on top of Judaism. But that it's a whole new expression of following and knowing God and his kingdom. Jesus continues with this second parable in verse 37. And he begins to logically explain that it doesn't make sense for someone to put new wine into old wineskins. So typically how wineskins were created. First of all, they would take typically a goat and they would, they would slaughter it. Then they would remove the hair and they would remove the flesh and the bones. And they would basically try to leave the skin intact. So basically it's now a, a leather, they're trying to create a leather bag essentially. And they would add, they would let it dry out and then they would add yeast to grape juice. And then they would seal it up. And as the, as the grape juice and this yeast began to ferment and, turn, and convert into alcohol, it would begin, the, the gases of the carbon dioxide would begin to re- be released. And because the bag was sealed, the bag would actually begin to, to inflate. It would begin to stretch the wineskin. And much like, much like when we blow into balloon, as, we, push, as we, we blow our own carbon dioxide into a balloon, it inflates. Now, unlike a balloon, though, unlike latex, when it's fully stretched, it doesn't return back to its original size. It maintains its stretched shape. And so, so a, 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 a typical skin had quite a bit of elasticity in it. But once, the, once it was fully stretched, it couldn't, it couldn't be used a second time. You couldn't repeat the process because when a bag is already at 80 to 90% stretching capacity, if you tr- repeat the process, eventually it will expand to the point where it will burst. So you could only do the process once. Now, so the meaning behind this particular parable is that the new wine that Jesus is referring to here is the transformative message of God's kingdom and his glory, the good news. The wineskin is the Pharisees. The wineskin is you and I. Specifically, our openness to that new wine, the good news of God's kingdom. Jesus is beginning to emphasize the point that his teachings are something radically different from the teachings of the Pharisees. That the new wine of Jesus will actually have a different flavor than the old wine that the Pharisees were experiencing before. Jesus is telling the Pharisees that God is doing something new and that the old wine is being replaced with new. And with this new wine, the old wineskins need to be replaced. They need to be changed. And so essentially, Jesus is now addressing this new season of relating to God for humanity where the eyes of humanity would shift from the old wine to now to a new wine, to an old covenant, onto a new covenant. So, as we consider this new wine, we need to understand that a fundamental characteristic of God is that God is a God of newness. We see this throughout Scripture. Lamentations 3. His mercies are new every morning. Revelations 21, God makes all things new. Luke 22, Jesus says, I am the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he is a 
new creation. God is a God of newness. God is never in a place where he is stationary and not moving. God is constantly on the move and making things new, bringing about new change. And what we see throughout Scripture is that wherever God is active and alive and present, his newness is imminent. Which means that if God is active, alive, and present in you and I, then newness will be inevitable. Also means that if God is active, alive, and present in this church, then newness will be inevitable in this church too. And the question that Jesus presents to us here is, whether we are open to it or not. Can our wineskins hold the new wine that God wants to pour into each of us? What if God wants to do something new in our church, which I believe he does? What if God wants to do something new in you, which I believe he does? We have a responsibility then to being open to that agenda. Maybe for some of us, we need to replace the, the whole wineskin and be open to an entirely new perspective that God might be calling some of us into. Through this parable, I'm reminded that we have to live our lives with such openness to God that when God pours his new wine into us, that we can begin to accommodate and hold that newness in our lives. And so maybe this morning, as you reflect on the new wine that the Spirit of God wants to pour into you, What is God calling you to? What is the new wine that he wants to pour into you? Maybe for some of us, it's a shift in mindset and how we see our neighbors. Maybe they don't take care of their lawn or they're noisy or they're disrespectful, but maybe we need to shift our mindset around our neighbors. Maybe it's walking away from a lifestyle choice that has prevented that new wine from being poured into you. Maybe there's some destructive habits that we just need to walk away from and say, that wineskin needs to go away. Maybe for some of us, it's getting involved in administering a church or, or a role within your local community that, that maybe stretches you beyond what is comfortable, but maybe it's just something that needs to be done so that the new wine can be poured into you. Or maybe, as a church, we can begin to wonder together, what is God calling TBC to What is the new wine that he wants to pour into us as a church community? My hope and prayer is that as a church, that we would look forward with excitement, that we would look forward with anticipation about the new wine that God wants to pour in us as we move forward together. And as I reflect on this upcoming ministry year at TBC, I have to admit that part of me feels scared and hesitant, reluctant, overwhelmed. However, I also believe that God is leading us and pouring new wine into us as a church. And because of that, I can feel excited. I can feel hopeful. And I can believe that the new wine that God is pouring into us is good and will be what is best for his kingdom and for this church. For many of us, sometimes we get locked into this idea of how church should be or what it looked like in the past. And sometimes we forget about the possibility that something greater could be available as well. Where we view church in the same way that I view the Kona Burger, we just have blinders on and we say, there can't be anything else. 
and we're unwilling to, to consider that although the gospel never changes, although there's new wine, that, that the, the wineskins may need to change. People, culture, and practices change, and so we might need to do that too. And I think we see this throughout Scripture, we see this throughout history, where, where when, when God's calling some, somebody into something new, there's, there's this, almost this reluctance. We, see, we can look in the book of Numbers, when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, and they were on the precipice of something great that God was beginning to call them into. And all the Israelites could see was, yeah, but in Egypt it was comfortable. In Egypt it was familiar. In Egypt it was kind of safe. And so they, prepared, they had prepared to assign a new leader and return to Egypt. And they were unwilling to be open to what God wanted to do in them and through them. They were unwilling to receive the new wine that, that, that God wanted to pour into them. Because they were so tight-fisted with their past, so tight-fisted with familiarity, that they were willing to return to slavery rather than to face the future that God was leading them into. So as a church and as your pastor, I want to affirm the work that God has done in this church over the last 60 years. God has done some incredible things here. Some of you are part of that. Some of you are that incredible thing. We celebrate that we, celebrate that we, can, worship, and we can worship God and his faithfulness. We recognize that God was present in the good times and that he was faithful in the times that were challenging. We celebrate that there were times when this church flourished. There was times that we experienced tremendous blessings from God as a church. We celebrate that this church has a rich cultural history. And I think we can still celebrate those realities today. That God will continue to be present in the next 60 years of ministry through TBC. That God will continue to be faithful in the good times and in the challenging times when they come. Because they will come. We will celebrate TBC's rich culture, cultural and, and generational diversity today. But I want to be clear that, that the church probably will not function the same way that it did 10, 20, 60 years ago. Maybe in some ways it will. But there are some things that we did for a season and we celebrate that and say, thank you, God. That was so good. But now we consider what is next. Now we keep our eyes forward and say, what, is, what do you have? What's the new wine that you want to pour into us in the future? TBC will continue to be a place where Jesus is celebrated, where Jesus is taught, where he's shared within these walls and outside of them. TBC will continue to be a place where the Holy Spirit transforms lives. TBC will continue to be a place where people will be welcomed and accepted and loved. Our vision statement, TBC will continue to be a growing community where Jesus is worshipped and the gospel of his saving grace is proclaimed. Where the presence of the Holy Spirit is felt and brings a passionate love for God and all who come. Last week, for many of us with kids, we, had, we took our kids the first day of school this, this school year. My oldest daughter, Abigail, she, she went into grade 8 this year. And we were all excited and, and rightfully so. Ultimately, her goal and ours is that she would finish high school and hopefully she would move into post-secondary education in one form or fashion. 
Now, in order for that goal to happen, of course, is that she needs to do her homework, she needs to attend her classes, she needs to study for tests, she needs to work hard. And over time, she will, she will continue to move through this progression of education in order for her to attain that goal. And next year, if everything goes according to plan, we will enroll her for grade 9 as the next natural step. Now, as much as she enjoyed grade 1, and as much as she excelled at coloring and addition and subtraction, some of the things, some of the activities that she did seven years ago, we're not going to put her back into grade 1. We're going to celebrate the work that happened seven years ago. And we're going to recognize that there was a, there was a, that was a good season that we can celebrate. But we're not going to duplicate it because it's easier, familiar, or convenient. But instead, as a church, we will continue to move forward with our vision to be a growing community where Jesus is worshipped and the gospel of his saving grace is proclaimed, where the presence of the Holy Spirit is felt and brings a passionate love for God and all who come. We've got a lot of work to do. And like infants who, who advance from milk to Kona burgers, we will take one step at a time, moving forward to fulfilling the vision that God has given us. We want to acknowledge that good things have happened over the past 60 years of this church. And that in order for things to move forward, in order for that new wine to be received, we need to keep our eyes on the future God is leading us into. And so we take small steps forward. And at times there will be big steps backwards, but we all can always continue to advance forward. We will continue to strive towards a God who has a perfect plan for each of us and our church. Because I believe that he has a new wine for us today and this year. I'm excited about where God is leading us in this next season of ministry. And as we know, as in life, it's not always going to be easy. But I'm excited because God is at work in this church. And look across this sanctuary and see this incredible mosaic of cultures and generations that make up this beautiful church. Please hear me. I want you to know that wherever you are from, however old you are, you are welcome at this church. We have new friends here from around the world who seem to join us every single week to join us in worship. We're glad that you're here. I'm excited about the prospect of hiring an associate pastor that we can get that process started in a couple of months. I'm excited that, ne- that starting in October that we will begin to, to really, pu- really advance and push forward our small group ministry. If you don't know what small groups are, they're, they're basically house churches where we can get together as groups of 10, 15 people where we can worship, where we can study God's word, where we can share life together. Where you can begin to take steps of growing deeper in your relationship with Jesus as, as you discover more about the Holy Spirit's work in your life. It's also just a great opportunity to get to know people. Some of you have been at this church for a long time. It might be a good opportunity to get to know some new faces. Some of you are new. It might be a good opportunity to get to know some old faces. Small groups are a way for you to get to know Jesus better, though, most importantly. To allow him and provide space for him to pour new wine into you. 
It's one, of those, it's, a, it's one step that you can take in your own personal discipleship journey as you move forward, move closer and closer towards Jesus as you continue to advance towards him. There is new wine that Jesus wants to pour into us. And just like the Pharisees, we need to wrestle with that same question that they had to wrestle with. Are we open to having that new wine poured into us? So, how's your wineskin doing? What is the Spirit calling you into as we make ourselves open to that new wine that Jesus wants to pour into us? Maybe for some of us here this morning, you are feeling so stretched, you're already, you're already at 80 90%, 100% capacity. And you're recognizing that you don't have any more space to flex to be open to what God wants to do. And maybe you need to, maybe you need to say, you know what, I'm going to put aside this wineskin, I'm going to replace it with a new one. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up here as I finish off. I suspect that as we continue to wrestle with this question, how is your wineskin doing? I suspect that for some of us, God might be calling us to really wrestle through some tough stuff, some difficult questions. And so uh, over the next three weeks, starting next week, we're going we're gonna to do a, a series uh, looking at the minor prophet Haggai. And we're going to explore the question, what happens when God calls us to tough stuff? What happens when God calls us to difficult things? Maybe this morning, you're recognizing that your wineskin is feeling pretty stretched with busyness or distractions or just a general attitude that you just have no room to move. And the idea of a new wineskin just seems really daunting and challenging and overwhelming, and you're not sure how you're going to do it but you're also feeling like, I need to do it. Maybe this month, as you consider how you might experience the new wine of Jesus in your life, maybe you need to experience a deeper expression of his providence or his power or his presence in a powerful way as we open ourselves to receive his new wine poured into us. Jesus has new wine for us today. The question is, can we handle the new wine he wants to pour into us? So, my question this morning. If you want the new wine Jesus has to offer us this morning, would you stand with me as we worship Jesus this morning? Mm -hmm.